0: To get started, visit plushcare.com weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: Jean Peters Baker swore an oath to uphold Missouri's laws. And then Roe v. Wade was overturned. And Jean had to try to figure out what exactly the law was. In Missouri, an abortion trigger law was nearly instantaneous. Within the first 15
2: minutes, it became law in Missouri upon the decision being released in Roe.
1: Wow. I mean, have you ever had a law flip that quickly? It's like a light switch.
2: No, we really haven't. Certainly not one of this caliber.
1: Jean is the Jackson County prosecutor, by the way. I
2: had to pivot pretty hard to see
1: Okay, what is this new law? <laughs> you know,
2: and and then when I realized, oh, it's it's a near total ban, near total
1: ban. Are you and other Missouri prosecutors like messaging each other all the time right now, trying to figure out like, <laughs> what do we do? What are you doing? You know, I am one of of. A
2: small handful of prosecutors elected to office in the state of Missouri that is a Democrat. Most the vast, vast majority are Republican. So no <laughs> for me. So there may be other message groups that are happening, but I'm not I'm not in them. I would like to be because I the more advice and counsel I can get from others, the better. But I've had to kind of do this on my own. Um, I've done it with healthcare providers just to kind of help me figure this one out.
1: Where are we now? What does this mean? Gene has scoured the law itself, of course. Missouri's ban passed in 2019. Now that Roseman overturned, it makes performing an abortion a Class B felony. The one, one little
2: caveat Missouri legislators kept was life of the mother. But when I looked at that more closely under Black Letter Law, well, it's immediate life of mother. So it requires an emergency of mom for her to terminate a pregnancy. So that's a very narrow, narrow category. And I don't think any of us really know
1: quite what that means. Yeah, it's funny. I have a colleague who has this theory that the abortion bans that are going to have into effect right now, the people who wrote those laws never really thought they'd go online. And the reason she thinks that Is because the impact has just been so chaotic. It's like folks never really thought through what would happen on day two. I think that's true.
2: I think people are now realizing the import of those words that they put into law and what does it mean.
1: Today on the show... This Missouri prosecutor, she doesn't want to put women or doctors on trial over abortion. But she's not sure she'll be able to avoid it. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Discover. Jean Peters-Baker follows the news. She saw the big abortion ruling coming. But the thing is, she didn't quite believe it.
2: For me, it was, wow, that's, it. and it's still, I'm still at, wow, it's hard to put my head around all that. There's something about that. Um, it's just hard sometimes to prepare in advance for something that you even see barreling down the tracks. So this is a new place for us to be. I can't really think of
1: something very similar to it. Baker lives in a bluish part of Missouri. Her county contains a chunk of Kansas City, some nearby suburbs. She worked in the local prosecutor's office for over a decade. Then in 2012, she got elected to run the place. When the Supreme Court ruling came down over Turning Row, she was prepared. She told her constituents she'd use her prosecutorial discretion to limit how many abortion-related cases ended up in court. It's not entirely clear, though, what that's going to look like, even now. My job is
2: to uphold all Missouri laws, even those I don't have, you know, I don't have a whole grand amount of respect for, and I think that they might do some harm. Now, that said, it's very, very important for me to tell your listeners that I I do have discretion, and I will use my discretion in ways that helps my constituents, rather than, I think, needlessly harms them.
1: Man, that, that feels like such a, it's a squishy promise. And I understand that you're in a difficult position. Would you say you support abortion rights? I do, as an individual, as a female,
2: and politically, I do. But as a prosecutor, this is not the county of Gene Peters Baker. This is the county of Jackson under the state of Missouri. And so that oath I took was to uphold all Missouri laws. That said, I can review these cases with a great amount of skepticism. I can view them knowing that it's, you know, maybe the black letter law might look easy, but the facts of these
1: cases will not be. Is there any circumstance in which you see yourself prosecuting a healthcare provider or a woman over abortion? So there's the rub, okay? There's there's the rub. It's it's nearly
2: impossible. And keep in mind, I've been doing this job for quite a while. Um, I started as an intern in the office, and then got hired as a young um, prosecutor. And so I'm I'm closing in on my 25th year of this kind of work. One of the things I've learned is that you you need to be careful of saying never, always. Um, you know the the facts of individual cases are going to guide what happens. And I've looked at a case before that was brought to me outside of the protections of Roe and chose not to prosecute that case after I did some more probing. I asked more probing questions in that um, investigation that led me to a completely different place. Mm -hmm. And it led me to not prosecute that young woman.
1: What were the facts? Do you mind laying them out?
2: It was a very young mom, I'd say about six years ago. The father was out of the picture, and she ordered drugs through the mail, and she did abort her fetus, but she also nearly killed herself. There's some other factors that layered in there. You know, her socioeconomic status was very low. She had no family support. You know, so she was just somebody out there on her own struggling and I don't believe my system is meant to bring her into a courtroom. I don't, I did not prosecute that case because I learned during my review of it that she was suicidal, that she almost killed herself, you know, by taking those drugs. And to you, that was mitigating. Of course it was. And every prosecutor should want to know those things. So you need to go out and get them yourself. And perhaps for the healthcare provider. You need to fully understand that individual's thought about what they needed to do as a healthcare provider. What's their oath? What's the oath of a healthcare provider?
1: I'm trying to put myself in the position of a physician in Jackson County who has maybe provided abortions in the past and maybe looking for guidance about what to do now. And I feel like hearing what you're saying, it makes a lot of sense, but I guess it also doesn't give me a ton of reassurance that I'm not going to be dragged through a process for doing what I see as my job. And I also, I look at you and I think, you were elected. You could be no longer the prosecutor in a few years. And then maybe I'm really in trouble. That's right. That's true, too. What do you hope that doctors do in your county hearing your position? Like, what do you hope it gives them? I really would love to be able
2: to give um, health care professionals reassurance. All I can do, though, in this moment is give them the notion that I will give everybody a fair shake, that my job is to review the law to make sure that I am upholding my role as the prosecutor. But even that said, I believe in the work that healthcare providers do. I believe that they are the experts, not me, and that I want to respect the work
1: that they do. There's a Republican county prosecutor in your region, in Platt County, who said he will pursue abortion ban related cases. That makes things extra confusing, I'm sure, for those physicians and women about what they do. And it makes it seem even more like what you're offering might be cold comfort. And I understand it's all you can offer potentially. But I wonder if you struggle with that a little bit. I am 100% struggling with it,
2: yes. As a public servant um, who upholds Missouri's laws by an oath of office, I am simply the steward of this office for now, entrusted by the voters to do it. I want to do the job as best I know how to do it. And as fairly as I know how to do it and justly. So, with all those things in mind, um, you know, I have a very difficult job ahead in trying to figure out how to provide some comfort to the work, necessary work that healthcare providers give without being
1: harmful to them in that process. It's going to be difficult for all of us. You've shared a bunch of concerns about Missouri's law. And and one of them is that it could be used to prosecute a woman who sought an, an abortion. And, and I wonder why you think that, if you could explain that. Like, you, you've explained it very clearly before, where you talk about, you know, the law says a woman shall not be prosecuted for a conspiracy to violate the provisions of this subsection, which means, wow, there are Few other things, maybe she could be prosecuted for. Absolutely. What kinds of things? Well, for
2: instance, she could be viewed as the principal in that situation and and prosecuted for some grade of homicide. Oof. Oof is right. Now, um, let's go a few steps further because that's where Missouri's law is. Missouri's law um, is very specific that we have no exception none for a rape victim or incest victim now that one angers me a great deal (laughs) because you've called it mean i did call it mean i don't and i can't i
1: since i've called it mean i can't think of a better word it's mean spirited i know you prosecuted rape and incest cases before you led your office and i just can't i imagine those cases are kind of what's in the background when you think about this Well, they should be in the, they're in the background for every single prosecutor in America.
2: Okay. I'm not different. Every jurisdiction in America will have rape victims that walk through their office doors that have been forcibly impregnated or the potential for that to to occur is great for incest victims. And I don't mean to be overly blunt, but this is where we are now. Incest victims are so repeatedly attacked, they're so repeatedly forced to have intercourse without their consent, that there's a greater risk of pregnancy for them. They will show up as pregnant. It's just one of the consequences of that horrendous crime. That horrendous crime occurs in every part of America. So prosecutors are going to see her. Now, we see her now. We see her now. And Missouri decided we want to throw one more thing at her. Tell me a better word than me for that. Can
1: you can you come up with a better one? I can't. Have you seen an abortion be life saving, life changing for a victim that you were maybe helping as a prosecutor who is involved in rape or incest? I have. Yeah, I have. I have. Democrats in your state legislature—they actually asked for a special session to clarify the language of Missouri's abortion law because someone suggested early on that it was even broad enough that it could ban contraception, which I think—I think was clarified that that was not the case. But the well, governor declined to have a special session. No, go ahead. Do you have? Do you disagree with that?
2: Well, look. I, I guess the other thing I want to say about that is. The governor also put out an edict immediately after uh, Missouri's law became effective, saying there's a ban on, on the prosecution of women. That's not true. Why do you say that? Because it's not true. He may wish that right now when he realizes what they just passed and what are the consequences, but that's not true. And you can read the law like I can read the law. You don't have to be a legal scholar to know that's not what Missouri law says. So women may be prosecuted under this statute, and it may be a rape victim, and it may be a medical care provider, and it may be a woman who really wanted that child to be born, but something happened, and she cannot successfully have that child um, without risking her own life. I don't know what all this means, but I do know that Missouri's law is so broad that I can say I won't prosecute a woman for conspiracy, I can say that because Missouri law purely says that. It's very plain and clear. I will not prosecute a woman for conspiracy because the law in Missouri does not permit it. Except the problem is Missouri law permits a whole lot of other types of prosecutions.
1: It was interesting to me because your governor declined to have a special session to clarify the language of Missouri's law here. And the reasoning that his spokesperson gave was essentially, because this is complicated, and it's going to take time to figure out. It was interesting to me because (laughs) it seems like in the absence of clarification, figuring it out will fall entirely to people like you. That's right.
2: That's right. Now, this is where discretion does matter, perhaps. I think when prosecutors read that law, it's going to look pretty simple. It's going to be one of the easier cases, perhaps, for a prosecutor to bring. My concern is to try and get prosecutors to slow down and and look at the consequences of what could happen by filing those cases. We put a lot of thought into death penalty cases before we bring those. I'd like to think that will happen here. But that means there will be prosecutors who are going to carry these. I. I will just guarantee it. It's going to happen. And I hope that they have made those decisions very thoughtfully. I hope that they'll look at the ramifications of filing such a case. And I hope that they'll look at mitigation that might be right in front of them rather than just running to file the charge.
1: We'll be right back. Last week, there was this story out of Ohio that got a ton of attention about a 10-year-old who traveled out of state to get an abortion after being raped by a 27-year-old. Rape, six weeks pregnant, already traumatized, was forced to travel to another state. What I thought when I saw that was how much power government prosecutors have right now. Because first of all, you had Ohio's attorney general... Saying, you know, I don't think this happened initially, even though there is a case that clearly did happen. I know our prosecutors and cops in this state. There's not one of them that wouldn't be turning over every rock in their jurisdiction if they had the slightest hint that this had occurred there. Then you had the Indiana attorney general saying he was going to investigate the doctor who had performed the abortion.
2: Uh, If she failed to report in Indiana, it's a crime uh, for uh, to not report, to intentionally not report.
1: And it just seemed like there was so much legal involvement. And it was clear to me that government attorneys can really raise or lower the heat around abortion and, and how we talk about it. And I wonder if you saw that case and the discussion of it as instructive in some way for someone like you.
2: A hundred percent I did.
1: <laughs> yeah, I did because I thought, uh-oh,
2: here it is. It, it, Ten-year-old t- ten is, that's a boy, what a tender age 10 is. But you know what? So it's 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. So is an adult woman who uh, might have mental um, capacity issues. Uh, so she's not able to consent. I've had all of those cases, by the way. I've had all of them. I'm just trying to put the number of different circumstances, you know, highlight them that I know can come up into play because I personally had them happen as a prosecutor here in Kansas City, Missouri. So if that's been my personal experience, it's got to be the experience of prosecutors all around the United States because we're not different. We're not unusual. Um, We don't have a higher degree of sex assault probably than anybody else. And by the way, it's pretty high in almost every jurisdiction in America. It's something that's real. It happens on a regular basis. We really have to view where we are. I will not be surprised to see uh, that these cases do become politically charged. That depending who's who's running for office, what they want to run for, do they want to create, you know, some kind of name for themselves. I'm worried about that. And if you view your office Your public office um, as a launchpad to a you know to a new position, uh, boy, that should worry all of us about what a prosecutor in that situation might do, what an attorney general who maybe want to go go on to higher office might do to put themselves in a position where perhaps they feel like they can do greater fundraising with a very public story.
1: Well, you're you're a politician. I mean, some would say you're taking a stand too. You bet I am. You bet I
2: am. But I am speaking from somebody who is looking at black letter law and how it applies to cases that I already see, how it applies to the rape victim that walks through my door and how I'm supposed to serve her. So the way I'm viewing it is as somebody that now has a new law and
1: I have to figure out how to use it. You work closely with law enforcement. That's your whole job. You've alluded to having conversations with them, sort of explaining like, hey, here's how I'm going to approach these kinds of cases, given that the the way the law has changed. That's right. Can you take me inside those conversations? Because I imagine different law enforcement officials have different perspectives here on the law and the morality involved. And I just wonder if you talk to one person, it's one kind of conversation. You talk to someone else, it's quite different. Um, When I talked to my
2: law enforcement, each one of my police chiefs, I I told them, I said, you may view me as having a political view here. And I said, these cases are not, I said, as best you can are not to be viewed politically. And that uh, for you not to presume anything, um, that if, if you get one of these cases, you are to bring it to me. That is my job. It's my role. And one of the reasons I wanted to be very clear about that. Is in my state, um, my attorney general also has concurrent jurisdiction over your jurisdiction. Yes, over this issue. Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt, uh, AG Schmidt, it's great to see you again. Thanks very much for being here.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is something that's been worked on for decades. People have preyed upon this. It's a long time coming. Thankfully, he is the seated
2: attorney general, and he is running for higher office. He is running for the United States Senate. I don't forget for a moment that that is the man that may come into my jurisdiction. If I'm not doing my job, he may come in and and say he's going to do it for me and I'm not going to have that. This is my jurisdiction and I will prosecute or not the cases that occur within my jurisdiction. So, so for me, it's another sort of um, reason that I, I need to be careful with what language that I use and be careful about how I go about handling my job as a prosecutor.
1: So you're going to law enforcement and saying, come to me. Like, I got this. do Right. <laughs> Please don't go above my head. Well, don't go somewhere else
2: just because you, you may have a certain political view as well.
1: Hmm. That's so interesting. I've been wondering if you were going to get into conflict with Schmidt because— <laughs> He's already come out there and said, I'm going to sue the city for trying to provide help for city employees who want to leave the state for abortions. Correct. So the attorney general is already kind of making his mark here and saying what he wants to do, which is be aggressive. Yes. Do you fear that by speaking out and saying very plainly how you feel about Missouri's abortion ban— that you're going to draw the scrutiny of your attorney general you're essentially going to bring fire on yourself you know i don't know how to avoid it i don't seek it
2: i don't want it but i'm not a lawmaker i didn't make this law and now i'm stuck with it and i'm also stuck with the political makeup of my state that i have an attorney general that desperately wants to be missouri's senator So. It's a difficult space to be in. It's difficult.
1: It's hard not to see you as in an impossible bind. I'm in an impossible bind, but I.
2: This is my jurisdiction. I was elected here. I was elected here, and not just was I elected here. I go to community meetings. I know my community. I know neighborhood leaders. Um, that doesn't mean everybody agrees on abortion, not by a long shot. But they know me. They know the type of prosecutor that I am. And I'm going to do my job here rather than let somebody else come in my jurisdiction and do it for me. I'm going to do it.
1: Jean Peters-Baker, I'm really grateful for your time. Thanks for talking. You're welcome. Jean Peters-Baker is the elected prosecutor for Jackson County, Missouri. She represents part of Kansas City. And that's our show. What Next is produced by Elena Schwartz, Carmel Del Shad, Madeline Ducharme, and Mary Wilson. We're getting a little help these days from Anna Phillips, Jared Downing, and Anna Rubinova. And I'm Mary Harris. You can go track me down on Twitter. I'm at Mary's desk. In the meantime, I will catch you back here bright and early tomorrow morning.